Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 163, and today we're going to talk about legal issues surrounding your business. So I know a lot of you listeners out there are small business owners and entrepreneurs, or maybe one day you want to be an entrepreneur, or maybe you want to be hired by an entrepreneur. So this is the episode for you. We are going to talk about everything from choosing the right corporate form for your business to issues hiring uh, employees and also some tricky online issues that I think a lot of people may not be aware of. Um, I know I was not aware of a lot of them. So to help us navigate through all of this legal, uh, all these legal issues, I am thrilled to have on the show Jonay Williams. She is an attorney and founder of J.A. Williams Law, the artist empowerment firm. She's also a business advisor for artists and entrepreneurs. And you can find out more about her at jawilliamslaw, all one word, dot com. And you can follow her on Twitter. And her handle is at jwilliamsesq. And again, all one word. So, Jonay, thank you for coming onto the podcast, and I'm so looking forward to this talk today. Uh, thank you, Karen, for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. <laughs> and, you know, just so that everyone knows, Jonay was a, has been a huge help to me, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, that when we get into choosing the right corporate form, <laughs> um, because I was one of those people who had the wrong corporate form and learned the hard way. And I don't want anyone else to make that mistake. I know Jonay doesn't want anybody to make that mistake. Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. So we are going to talk about that today. But before we do that, can you kind of give a little bit more um, about you and kind of what you do uh, in your law firm? Yes, absolutely. So um, I started J. Williams Law um, back in 2011 because I wanted to um, give artists an opportunity to have um, legal counsel that could help them specifically um, and avoid issues of exploitation because I myself was um, exploited and not credited or compensated for my own work and I wanted to make sure that um, that no one else had that kind of same experience that I had and as my firm has just kind of been out there and evolved and grown we've grown as a, um, a company and also just who we serve I started to jump more into the entrepreneurship world because you know I was a part of it running my own firm and realized that there was a huge gap in what it was that entrepreneurs um, knew about what they needed to do online and what they were actually doing um, and it became a passion of mine to help entrepreneurs and creators understand specifically what they needed to do in order to protect themselves online and then also um, even more specifically understand like what how to prevent issues from from coming up it's it's more like um, most of the time people just pay to solve problems they don't pay to prevent any issues it's that whole you know when you 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 know you could work out every day and then avoid going to the hospital or not work out every day and then end up in the hospital and paying thousands and thousands of dollars it's the same concept and so for me 
what my goal was is to help um, entrepreneurs and creators understand how to prevent issues from coming up, deal with any issues that did come up, and then also understand holistically how they needed to work online in order to make sure that they fall in line with the law and also prevent issues of exploitation and piracy. Yeah, and and you know, all such important issues. And I think a lot of times when you start a business, you're just so excited. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. And and maybe you might do things that might not be the best for you in your excitement that yeah. down the road can cost you money. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd be so surprised. Like there are so many people that just kind of jump online and don't really understand that you can't get around the legal and the tax obligations. Those are two things that this isn't like this isn't like just playing online. You have a real serious obligations that you have to take care of when you create a business. And, you know, we let our passions kind of run wild and get the best of us, which is a great thing because we need more passionate, awesome entrepreneurs in the world. But we also also need more entrepreneurs that are responsible in taking care of the back end um, of their business and making sure that they're staying around. Because the reality is, is that two thirds of small businesses fail. Wow. Two thirds. So, you know, the odds are not against you when you first initially go out there and start a business. So, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance for success as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I so actually let let's get into choosing the right corporate form. Let's get into that now because <laughs> when I first started my business, I got some bad advice. Yeah, um, I did not go through an attorney. I kind of went through my accountant and and the firm that the accountant was at, and they kind of helped me create my first business. And it was just all wrong. Like it was yes. not the right form for me. It didn't make any sense. I didn't understand. But I was one of those people who was like really, really excited and, oh, yes, I have a business name and, and an EIN number. And I was so psyched. And I tell you, when I wasn't psyched, when I got like this huge bill from the IRS, I wasn't psyched. I know. I ceased, I ceased to be psyched. I and know. So, <laughs> I remember that. I was yeah. like, I had, I had so much pain for you because it was so horrible. Like, and you trusted, you know, you trusted advisor, but you know, I, your story has, has been so integral into in me just even guiding people and talking to them and saying, look, you need two sets of advice when you start a business. You need a lawyer and you need a tax advisor, a good one a good that one. understands your business. So like you were a part of me even like, going out and like yelling that from the rooftops because of what happened to you 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 poor woman but we got you straight though yeah and so now I'm straight and now I have the the corporate form that's right for me so let's talk about this how do you choose the right corporate form for your business um, well, there's a couple of things that you need to um, consider when you're thinking about that. And I'll say I'm so um, I'm so glad that I was able to help you actually get the right form. And now you're on the right track. But again, like you said before, there's so many entrepreneurs that that start off and they're not on the right track. So um, one of the things that you need to consider is um, professionally what type of business entity you need. So certain types of professionals like um, Dr. Karen and um, and myself, we have to have um, professional 
um, corporations and professional limited liability companies, which is a different distinction than just a regular LLC or a regular corporation. So there's um, so part of what you need to consider is your own professional designation. So that's number one. Number two, you should also be considering um, liability-wise, where what like, what makes sense for you in terms of are you do you ha- are you in a profession where you have a high instance of potential liability, like like um, for example, um, medical liability. Um, so you want to make sure that you have an entity that protects you from that space. You also want to look at financially what makes sense for you in terms of um, having an accountant look at your books and look at what you're bringing in and how it is that you need to pay yourself and all of those things to determine what's the best entity for you. The next thing that you need to really be thinking about and consider is how is it specifically um, that do you have certain um, tax, not taxes, assets, Um, that you need to protect. So do you have cars? Do you have homes? Do you have savings accounts? Um, Anything that's personal assets? You know, if you have those things, then those are things that you want to protect from the debts and liabilities of your company. So you want to make sure that you have the right entity in that regard as well. So these are just a few of the ways, but the best way for you to determine is what what I said to um, earlier, which is you need to make sure that you get the the opinion of your tax advisor and then you also get the opinion of a lawyer. And then from there, you make an informed decision as to which entity you should choose. And, and let's talk about these entities. I think in, so I have a PLLC, which is a professional limited liability corporation. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between an LLC, um, a, an S corp or a C corp? And then I know there's a sole proprietorship, which let's actually, let's talk about sole proprietorship first, because I know a lot of I see like on different message boards and things like that on LinkedIn that a lot of PTs are just sole proprietorships and then they go online and get an EIN number, but they never incorporate. Mm -hmm. So what are the pros and cons of that? Um, Well, when you're when you are a sole prop, you need to understand that it's just you operating as you. There is no entity protection. There is no shield between your what you are um, liable for personally, personally, and what you're liable for professionally. So it's just basically you running naked. Any contract that you get into, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, nice visual. (laughs) It's um, it's. Whatever contracts you get into, whatever um, whatever um, relationships that you acquire, they're all personal relationships. So you are on the hook personally for whatever happens and whatever you do. Just because you have an IN number, that's just a social security number for your business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't protect anything. It's just a way for the IRS to understand that they need to charge you. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, um, that's that's. Uh, what most people do. And that is an entity that's okay for you. If you don't have any assets, you have a low level of potential liability. Um, You're not making any money. You know, these are, you know, these are things that you might want to consider or think about when you have um, a sole prop. The, the, 
issue with that is, is that again, there is no protection. You're, you're getting into contracts and relationships and everything personally. So if you get sued, then they're attaching your house. They're attaching your liquid bank accounts. They're attaching your, um, your, um, bank accounts. They're attaching anything that they can get, um, in order to satisfy that debt. So that's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. And, um, and there's no way to get around that. So, um, the, the good thing about having a sole prop is, is that you have no corporate tax that you have to pay. You have no, nothing that you have to pay outside, outside of your personal income taxes. And if you have a pretty low personal income tax rate, then this can work out well for you. Um, especially if you're not bringing in any money right now. So, um, it's good in that regard. Um, you know, if, if you're just starting off, but from a legal standpoint, it's the worst, um, entity that you could have because there is no entity. Yeah. It sounds like it's a little high risk. Like, do you, do the risks outweigh the benefits in this case? I guess like if you start making some real money with your business and you're a sole prop, I mean, it's gotta be a little Mm -hmm. hairy situation. It makes me nervous just thinking about it. It is. It is. Um, there, it, there is a, a high instance of risk, but it really does depend on the person because it depends on what it is, what kind of service or product or whatever it is that you are providing, and also your personal situation um, on, you know, on the personal side based off of your income. You know what what it is that you have for assets. You know what you're bringing in. All of those kind of things. So from that perspective, then yes, it it is very very high risk. So you you really want to speak to, um, again, an attorney and an accountant and mm-hmm. find out if this makes sense for you. But the accountant generally is going to tell you if you don't have certain levels of money, they're going to tell you to stay a sole prop. And I'm telling you that the reason why you want to get both opinions is because the attorney is going to be looking at liability. The attorney is going to be looking at, you know, you entering into contracts and what's going to happen to satisfy debts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the accountant is trained to do. They're trained to look at dollar amounts and the and the amount that you have it doesn't make sense for you to incorporate so you need both opinions to make a good decision on yeah, that absolutely and then and what about um an llc versus an s corp or a c corp or okay so with the llc with um so again with um with the PLLCs and the PCs I have a professional corporation so my law firm is a PC again Karen has a PLLC but that is because of our professional designations because I'm an attorney I have to have a PLLC if I'm going to be um you know doing legal work or a PC one of the two mm-hmm. um Karen because of her tax situation and because of her professional designation she has a PLLC that's um the only difference between them is how you're um, how you're paying yourself how you're paying your taxes but the but the um, liability coverage is the same same with the LLC and the um, the S Corp and the C Corp they all protect in the same way when it comes to the legal aspect like they create a shield between your personal assets and the debts and liabilities of your company but the only difference is how you pay yourself and how you pay your taxes and you know for S Corps for example 
you get some um, some tax benefits and some things that you can write off that you might not necessarily be able to get with an LLC. However, now um, federally, an LLC can file for an S corp designation, so you don't have to change to an S corp in order to get the benefits of having an S corp. However, you know you ha- also have to look at state wise. Does it make sense for for that? Because in the state of New York, for example, S corps do not exist. So everything is taxed at the corporate tax level. So you can file for that designation federally, but statewide, it doesn't exist. So these are the kind of things that, you know, that you're going to want to know in terms of how it is that you're going to figure out how to pay yourself and how you're going to figure out how to pay your taxes, what kind of benefits you can get or things that you can write off, stuff like that. And what can happen to you? We talked a little bit about this before we started, but what can happen if you don't have the right business entity? I guess, can you lose money? (laughs) Yes, and you know about that. So yes, like you definitely can. It's really horrible. And um, you can, because if you have the wrong designation tax wise, um, then the IRS can come after you for a certain for the certain amount that um, that they are due based off of your underpayment of taxes or the way that you didn't pay yourself properly or um, various different things. So it, 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 it can be a hairy ugly situation if you get the wrong designation. So you really just want to um, get the get the right opinions and make your decision from there. The most important thing, though, is that you need to think about how it is that you're going to pay yourself, because if you have an S corp and you put yourself you need to put yourself on like a payroll so that mm-hmm. the taxes get automatically deducted mm-hmm. from your um, from you before you actually go and pay your um, and pay yourself. They are a straight go to the government and then you don't have to worry about it if you don't do that. And um, and you're still taking distributions and things like that. You can end up in a heavy, a hairy situation, uh, underpaying taxes and then have to pay way more than you initially thought. Um, so that's a potential um, issue there. And with LLCs, it's a little easier because all you have to do is transfer money and take distributions and report that on your personal income taxes. So it, again, if you're not bringing in a whole bunch of money, you might not be able to set yourself up on a payroll and it might not make any sense for you to do that. So um, those are just a couple of things that you might want to consider. So yes, you can lose money. It can be awful. So just get the proper advice and move forward like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm much happier now that I have um, the right corporate form. Oh, and, yes. I'm so happy to bring more happiness into oh, your life. Oh, my God. It's terrible. <laughs> and, you know, something that I think people, at least this is how it was in New York State, and, and Janae, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you file, which was something that I didn't realize in New York State is, let's say you want to file for, I filed for a PLLC, you have your articles of incorporation, all of that has to be sent to the Department of Education first. Mm -hmm. Then the Department of Education gives you a piece of paper. They Mm -hmm. send everything back, and and with my case, they sent everything back to you, and then it goes back out to the state to be, to file for the incorporation. Yes. So there is that extra step, which means it takes a little bit longer depending yes. on the backlog from the, from the education department more so than from the, 
the incorporation part of it. Would you agree? Yes. Well, for your designation, yes, that's yeah. what um, that's what happened, and I'm sure lots of your li- your listeners have the same designation. So mm-hmm. yes, you have to do that um, that whole extra step when it comes to um, creating like a PLLC or a PC as it relates to you. For me, it was different because they wanted to make sure um, that I had my license, that everything was in order. I had to send them certain paperwork and documentation of mm-hmm. that. And um, so it was a little bit of a different process. But the bottom line is, is that um, there are additional steps if you're going to create a, a professional corporation or a professional LLC versus, um, you know, a standard versus one. Standard. And and with the standard ones, you can create those if you're doing like info products and things like that. But if you are a service provider like myself and like Karen are, you're going to have to have a professional um, corporation or a professional LLC. Yeah. And I think that's why you have to contact a lawyer and not just go to like mm-hmm. legal Zoom and think that you can kind of get all this. Oh, man. It's right. Bad. The first time. It's bad. It's bad. And I've had I've <laughs> had lots of people get screwed over by um, by companies like that and end up having to come to a lawyer anyway. So it just it you know, it's best to just do it right from the beginning, yeah. um, especially because companies like that, they skip the most important step of creating an LLC or a corporation, which is the publication stage. You have to publish in newspapers and indicate and put the state on notice that you are creating this LLC. That is a huge piece of the whole pie. And if you don't do that, then, you know, technically you don't have a fully developed and formed LLC. So guess what? If something happens and you get sued and you didn't do that step, then that what they can do is say, hey, you actually don't have a fully formed LLC here and we're going to attach your personal assets anyway. Uh-huh. So Nightmare. that is something that can happen. And you want to make sure that you don't um, that you don't skip that step. And companies like um, that company, they don't do that step for you. And you don't know that that step is required because you are not an attorney. So you're just kind of like, you know, you're paying them. You're thinking it's going to be all well and good and fine. And it's not. And you can bet your bottom dollar that they're protecting themselves and making sure that they, you can't come back to them and sue them because that step wasn't completed. So yeah, absolutely. It's like that commercial where they're like, you think you're insured for this, but you're really only insured for this. You know? Exactly. I don't know. And is I, it Geico or something? I don't but. even remember, but I'll tell you, I, I was thinking about that when it comes to um, floods, for example, or hurricanes and, and water damage and things like that with homes. You think that you're insured and then when and you've been paying it all of these years and then you disaster strikes and they're like, eh, actually, you're not covered. Yep. So that kind of stuff happens. And that's why I said it's so important. And it's funny, you, you'd be surprised. There are so many people that have podcasts and they've never had an attorney on, but they have all the marketing people and branding people and all the people, but they don't have the the back end piece. It's made. Yeah. It's not the most fun piece, but neither is getting sued or paying back taxes. That's <laughs> no, not fun either. Nope. Not fun. Not fun at all. Not at all. Okay. So let's let's move on to. Um, Issues surrounding hiring an employee. So we've got some specific questions. Um, so let's start out with our first sort of specific question. I think this was from Aaron, I think. Um, Aaron LeBauer, he's a, a physical therapist in North Carolina. 
Um, but he wanted to know, do you hire independent contractors versus employees? What's um, the difference? What's the pros and cons? Thank you. I think that, yeah, I needed a little bit more framing for that question because it really is individual whether you're going to hire independent contractors versus employees you can hire you can hire either you could hire both um it, it's really just a matter of what your uh, revenue will supply what kind of entity you have all of those kind of factors and so the pros of having um independent contractors are is that they pay their own taxes they are um, they're independent so they you know pretty much work independently they come in you contract them for a certain amount of time they do what they have to do they're on their way that's great because you don't have any um, long-term obligation um, however you know again you don't have any long-term obligation so you might not get as as you know best of product for example or you might not have um, the best uh, you know, the, 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 the long-term building of your business loyalty and support that you would get from having an employee working for you. Um, so having employees, the great thing about that is, is that they are on your team. They're working for you. You're continuing to, um, build a relationship with them. They're developing over time with you. Um, and that's really, uh, you know, great for, for your business overall. The, the sticky thing about that is is that you if they're employees you have to carry workers comp insurance and you have to pay their taxes so um, that could be a little bit tricky and um, if you're not bringing in a substantial amount of revenue um, it, you know it could be a bit of a challenge for you to make sure that you know they're being paid sufficiently and regularly so if you don't have that substantial amount of continuous revenue streams coming into your business, you might want to have um, contractors. I have both. I have employees and contractors because there's certain people that I need just for things here and there that I don't necessarily need them on my team full time or part time um, regularly. And then I have people who are on my team that are regular. They come into the office every single day. So it really just depends on your setup and what are your overall goals for your company, whether which whether um, you want to choose one versus the other. And if you let's say uh, if you hire an independent contractor, should they form their own individual business and or do they have to have employment elsewhere? Independent contractors have to have something else other than you. So it could be an individual business. It could be employment, um, you know, somewhere else. It could be either of those things, but they have to have something because if they don't, then they appear to be employees and you could end up being on the hook for um, for tax liability if oh, they So if that happens um, and the government looks at this person and says, well, you are occupying, you know, the majority of their work hours. They're doing work only for you that, you know, X, Y, Z then guess what happens? They're like, that looks like an employee to us. So now you owe taxes. So um, so it is important that independent contractors have their own setup, their own business. It helps, it, it helps them being virtual, them not working on site with you. Um, and, uh, and 
that they have control over their own schedule, things like that. So um, it, it is a it is better for independent contractors just from your standpoint, tax liability wise, for them to either be employees or uh, elsewhere or have their own businesses. Got it. Got it. Okay, I had no idea. That actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, another question, another sort of uh, question from one of the listeners is. Um, and I'm assuming this is, again, surrounding hiring people, is uh, where, what is the best place to find or create a contract and what provisions should be in that contract when you're hiring someone? Okay, so um, you should... The best place to find or create a contract is with an attorney. Um, You mean you just don't copy and paste it from the internet? No. No, you do not. (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't grab a template. Don't grab your friend's templates. Don't do that. Just go (laughs) to a lawyer. And I'm not saying this just because I am one. I'm saying this because I've seen people do um, do the latter. I mean, do the former. And they have ended up putting themselves in really bad situations, mm-hmm. being sued, owing thousands of dollars. It's just bad. So just, do, you know, invest in yourself, invest in the foundation of your company and get things going at the um, starting off the right way. So with the contracts um, for employees or um, or independent contractors, you should have have um, one and what should be in that is um, where what kind of work they're doing th- that they're getting paid what they're getting paid when they're getting paid do you have some type of review process for them you also want if they're an independent contractor that it's actually indicated in their contract that they are one and that they're responsible for their own taxes and they understand that oh, um so that's um, so that's uh, you know um, something else that needs to be in there. A way to get out of the contract. Let's just say you don't like this person, and they don't like you, and you want to get out of it. There needs to be a way for you guys to terminate the agreement. Um, I also recommend that people have on the back of their contracts the roles and responsibilities um, that that contractor is responsible for, or that employee is is responsible for. And something that's really important that they need that you need to have in there is protection for your intellectual property, making sure that you everything that they create for you belongs to you. Everything that you have is only they can only use it underneath your control and your consent. So these are the kinds of things that you want to make sure that are in your contract and make you know make sure that you know you have something that protects you another thing that needs to be in that contract is confidentiality because you want to make sure that they're not going to be taking personal and sensitive information and distributing it to a third party so these are all the the things that need to be in it in addition to others but i think that's a really good start Yeah, that sounds like a lot of important stuff. I mean, I didn't even think about um, protection of your intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very important. important. 
because at the end of the day, the intellectual property is your property and it's how you make money. So you want to make sure that somebody can't take your intellectual property and use it or do things with it or take it outside of your company and then decide to use it for their own damn company or, you know, pirate it in any type of way and take it and put it on a pirating site and you're selling it for $2,000 a head and they're selling it for one ninety nine. I mean, this kind of stuff happens. It happens Mm -hmm. all the time. I have very... Um, famous clients who um, are big in those, you know, entrepreneur and online entrepreneur space. And these are the kind of issues that they run up against. I'm and sure. so you just want to prevent it from happening from the very beginning. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And thanks so much for highlighting a lot of that stuff, because I mean, I would have never thought of this stuff. And, and that's why you kind of need a lawyer, because they're sort of doing that for you and making exactly. sure not only I shouldn't even say that not only doing not really doing it for you, but partnering with you and helping you to understand this is why you need a way to get out of your contract. This is why you need confidentiality. It's not like you just write it up and, and sign it and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's and it's really important just because of the fact that most people that you don't know what you don't know and you're not supposed to know this stuff. That's why you hire professionals. You know, so it's it's really important that from a legal standpoint, again, you have not only do you have obligations, but you also want to be protected and make sure that as you're working with, you know, contractors and employees and people who you're trusting with your business and your livelihood and your intellectual property, that you are um, building in some protection for for those things as you build your company. Yeah, absolutely. And what about non-compete, non-compete agreements? Do they hold water? Do they have a legal standing? What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, good question. Um, it really depends on the state or the country that you're in. Um, in some states, non-compete clauses hold water, um, so to speak, <laughs> as your, uh, as your listener asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some states, they do not. So, for example, in California, they usually throw them out. Um, they do, they don't like them in California. Wow. Okay. But in some, but in other states, they do like them, and they're and they're fine with having them. But maybe there's a certain um, level. Uh, there's a certain a geographic radius that you know they can't compete within. So there can't be two physical therapy companies within like three miles of each other or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Um, so it really just depends on the state. And that's why it's really good to speak to an attorney and actually find out, um, you know, will it hold water or not? What I generally do is put it in anyway, just because it, you know, in your contract, in, you know, most attorneys will put in the contract, even if there's a piece of the contract that gets thrown out, it doesn't uh, it doesn't make the entire contract invalid. So if there's a piece in the contract that um, that the court looks at and says, yeah, no, we're not going to apply this portion of the contract. It doesn't say it doesn't mean, OK, the whole contract is thrown out and null and void. So I put it in there anyway, because it does prevent people sometimes from doing bad acts on the Internet because they see it and they know they're signing it. And they don't know, just like you don't know whether it's going to be thrown out or not. So I put it in anyway. And and I think what let's kind of flip this for a moment and. Instead of talking about looking at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, let's look at it from the employee standpoint. So if if I'm an employee and I get this contract from my, you know, future employer, should I take that contract to a lawyer and have the lawyer look over that contract before I sign it? Yes. 
I yes, I wholeheartedly think that it's always good to have your own um, attorney look at a contract before you're going to sign it, whether you are the uh, entrepreneur, whether you are the employee or the contractor that's being hired, I always recommend that you do that because there may be some things in that contract that um, that won't work for you and you want to be able to negotiate just the way that they were able to create it. Yeah. So, so yeah. I do recommend it. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of people that do that because they just want to get to work straight away. And um, a lot of times they just don't want to pay a, an, an attorney to look it over. But that can come back and bite you in the butt if you don't do it. So I do recommend um, that as an option, um, you know, for people to do. But, you know, people don't take that option very often. So. Yeah, and, and so I mean, I guess I would encourage even for all those new grads, or uh, you know, you're just switching jobs, going into a new job, have someone look over the contract for you because you know, if you're a medical professional, you're not an attorney, and you just don't want to get stuck in in some ways. And like you said, perhaps you can. This is something that maybe you can negotiate uh, with your future employer as well. And and it's important because this is your, the beginning of your career or the changing of your career. And I think it's important that everyone is as informed as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that is very, very important. And I think that um, you'll, you'll feel more confident going into that employment or um, contracting situation if you know that you've had um, legal eyes review it before you put signature to it, because signature is an obligation and you don't want to be obligated to something that puts you in a, a potentially dangerous situation that you don't want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and last thing here, last thing I want to talk about, um, let's say, so a lot of uh, people, a lot of entrepreneurs these days and physical therapists, medical professionals included, are venturing now into the online world. So we are starting blogs, starting blogs, I don't know, podcasts, <laughs> um, selling things online, uh, programs, conferences, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take, let's just take uh, blogs and blogs and podcasts because it seems to be booming. Let's say you are making money off of these blogs or vlogs or podcasts, whether that be through advertising, um, getting sponsorships. Uh, What do you need to have in place on your website to protect you? Um, Okay, so when you have, um, when you're doing blogs, if your blog is a place where you promote and make money, um, and you are promoting your products and your services on that to make money, then yes, you need to have disclaimers on the bottom. The FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, requires that you inform people and let them know that you are actually taking money and you are promoting products and services by which you will then be delivering and taking money online. They require that. When it comes to um, 
your websites, you need to have terms and conditions and privacy policy on your website. The FTC requires that as well. Um, and if you are a practitioner, for example, a physical therapist or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you need to have disclaimers on your um, vlogs and on your videos and on your podcasts and things like that, especially if you are putting out um medical information or guidance and things like that because you don't want someone to come back and say well I used what you told me and then I got this horrible rash that cost me eight thousand dollars and now I want you to pay for it Mm -hmm. or you know somebody you know god forbid I did this thing and you know and then you know trying to help my cousin and you know I broke his leg or you know somebody died or whatever Mm -hmm. um you don't want to be on the hook for those things so even as I I go out and I do podcasts, I require that everyone put on my podcast the disclaimer that says this is not legal advice and you should be taking any information that um, that you hear is general and that if you need something more specific, you need to go to an attorney and speak to them specifically about your legal matter. It goes across all professions that have to do with being a service-based type of um um, provider. So you're putting out info products, you're promoting your services online by giving like free information, being, you know, being very generous with, you know, showing people, for example, yoga moves or, you know, little things that they can do at home to help them, um, you know, increase their flexibility or whatever. The bottom line is, is that always, always, always have your disclaimer, especially if you're doing it on YouTube, have the disclaimer on the video, have the disclaimer in the description. If you're doing podcasts, have it on your podcast. If you're doing blogs, make sure that you have it on the bottom that you're taking money on this blog. There's various different places that you need to have these things. And once you have them, you you know, you forget about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I do webinars, for example, and on a webinar before I even start it, as you know, Karen, you've seen my webinars, I'd say the disclaimer right at the beginning. So before we even get started, before you can even hear a stitch of advice from me, I'm telling you this disclaimer. This is what all professionals professionals need to be doing and very few do it and they're leaving themselves legally um naked (laughs) um um and 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 in potential um in potential um issue um my god we need to talk after this (laughs) (laughs) i am with you you let me know we're gonna we're gonna get you all suited up we need to chat no but (laughs) You know, when I did my online conference, Jonay did all the disclaimers and everything for that conference. Um, yes. And, and that's, that, that means a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it also, it also um, creates a certain level of professional credibility in front of others as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so people look at these types of things and see that you have it together legally, then guess what happens? They're excited to work with you because they know that you're serious about your company mm-hmm. and you're doing the right things and they know that you take it seriously and that they can they can trust you because of the fact that you're, you know, investing in yourself and making sure that you're protected. And it gives them a sense of ease to know that they're working with a professional that has that kind of level of um, skill and, and also that level of professionalism. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, like, for instance, if someone has a blog um, and they also happen to sell, let's say they made a, I don't know, some sort of tool for, for physical therapy or for massage therapy or personal training, and they kind of sell that on the website that houses their blog, then they need to have these disclaimers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Um, if I mean, you I don't do that, blog, but if, other people yeah, but Yeah, but if you're using the blog as like a personal blog or you're using a blog to just document your own journey, that's different. But if you're using the blog as a space specifically to promote your products and services, Got it. Um, then you have to have that on there. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that that made it so much clearer. So instead of just saying, I went to Starbucks today and then took a yoga class and this is my blog, um, which a lot of people have, mm-hmm. that would be more of a personal blog mm-hmm. versus this is great information for new graduates and you all need to listen to this. So you all need to read this or watch this vlog or read yeah. this blog or whatever. Huh? Then you need those disclaimers because exactly. you're sort of promoting yourself within the business. Exactly. Got it. Okay. You're so good, Karen. No, I think that that actually took like five minutes to process in my brain. So I don't know if I would say that's good. I think that might might be on the slow side there. Um, I think that I think that you did a really good job of 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 kind of like summarizing it. I thought that was really good. Good, thank you. So you know, because I think a lot of people, like I see a lot of of people doing this out there in the in the internets, and um, Mm -hmm. and I don't see a lot of disclaimers. Nope, you don't. And that is a that is a problem. And thankfully, um, maybe they haven't gotten in trouble yet, but you don't even want to start that process. You don't even want to leave yourself potentially open to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I I remember I was watching this one um, girl who who used to do like who does a vlog. And at one point she started doing like yoga moves. And I sent her with with no like you know, check with your doctor before you start any exercise program. And that's all you have to say. Um, right. But there is none of that. And, and, and it's just, that's so bad. Yeah. Like, it, you're, just, you're really leaving yourself open. And I, I just wish that, I would just wish that people would really just, just take a minute to, mm-hmm. to speak to one. There are so many online lawyers now yeah. that will, that, that don't even cost a lot of money. They, they'll take the time to just tell you what you should be having and where, just so that you can like keep on moving and be able to do exactly what you want to do in this world, but do it safely and not keep yourself open to liability. Because if people, if people hurt themselves or if someone dies or if someone gets sued or something like that, they're coming after you. Sure. Sure. They said, hey, you, you said to do this every morning when exactly. I wake up and roll out of bed, and now I really hurt my back. Yeah, exactly. On your exactly. advice. And so, yeah, I, so you never know. I mean, you know, we all hope that, that most people out there, like, wouldn't sue us, but it happens. It does. All the time. It does. And what I usually tell people is, is it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it when it comes to legal stuff. Absolutely. And you know, on that note, we are going to wrap things up. But before we do that, um, I know you have something coming up in August. So can you tell all the listeners what that is and when and what it's all about? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to be having a live event um, that is happening here in New York City that will basically show you in one day everything that you need for your legal work. Normally I have a five week course that, um, that I put out 
to help people called Secure Your Empire. And instead of doing that, what we're going to do is we're going to take it live. So you're going to be able to spend a day with an attorney, ask me questions. You'll be able to learn everything that you need for your business, where it's supposed to go, what it's supposed to look like, how to deal with your um, own attorneys when you all of this kind of great stuff. You'll walk away with some legal documents. It's going to be a really good time. So that's happening in August. Um, and the way that um, that we're going to do the event is, is that you come and you get to learn all of this stuff. And if you decide to work with us, you can work with us. Or if you decide not to, then, hey, you just basically got a, a complete legal education on how to protect yourself online. And you can go out and make a difference in the world. So if you want to know more about that conference, all you have to do is just sign up on my website at jwilliamslaw.com. Dot com. Um, you can sign up for my newsletter there and you'll get all the invites and the information. And um, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a really great event. Cool. Well, sounds great. So if you're in the New York City area, definitely uh, sign up at jawilliamslaw.com. Um, I will also put it in my newsletter. Um, I'll put it in the newsletter this week and next week. And if you're not on my newsletter, then you can go to karenlitzy.com and sign up for that. And so that way you'll get a breakdown of everything that uh, is said in all these podcasts and, and any uh, quick links that are mentioned and things like that. So, Jonay, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. And like I said, we're going to talk. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for providing such a great podcast to help um, so many people out in the world. It's so important, this work that you do. And I, I really appreciate you just having such a fantastic podcast where people can come and get and learn what they need to learn. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And, and again, um, if you want to find more about uh, find out more about Jonay and all the great work that she does, it's jawilliamslaw.com. You can follow her on Twitter at jwilliamsesq, all one word. And everyone, I hope that you got a good dose of legal information here. I know it was certainly helpful for me. So everyone, thanks for tuning in. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.